0: All right, it's Fusion Radio, One World, One Voice at MyFusionRadio.com. It's bruh, let's talk about it. Special edition. We have some special people in the building. Ms. Deirdre, what's happening? All
1: right, all right, bruh, let's talk about it. I'm Deirdre Wheeler. I'll be your host of today's episode. And with me, I have my co-host.
0: Hey, bruh, let's talk about it. I'm Antoine. I'm the co-host of this amazing podcast talking about men's health.
1: That's right. And today our topic of discussion is diabetes because we know it affects men as well as women. But today we are graced with the presence of Dr. Jackie, who is a diabetes educator, author, and so much more. So, Dr. Jackie, introduce yourself. Hello, bro. <laughs> it's, bra. it's bro. It's bro. Not bra. It's bro. Uh, bro. <laughs> <Bruh.
2: laughs> brother. <laughs> Growing up in the church, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. I am Doctor Jackie Edwards. I'm author of three books. You can find me on Amazon. Just let my soul live. How to get your life in order by ordering your life steps and my God Encounter Moments. I'm also a nurse practitioner and full-time wife and also a God-fearing woman of God.
1: Excellent, Dr. Jackie. Well, we're going to just jump right into it, right? Our topic Mm -hmm. is diabetes, which is your specialty. And for our listeners... Some of them may not know that there is different types of diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, talk to us about diabetes type one and type two. We know that there's gestational diabetes as well, but our target audience are men. So, Dr. Jackie,
2: and just for those who don't know about the disease process of diabetes, diabetes is a chronic disease that affects how your body turns food into energy. Mm-hmm. And so just to give you a little background, we need um, insulin in our bodies when our most of the food that we eat is broken down and turns into sugar, glucose. And so if that stays in your bloodstream, that's what happened with the complications we have from diabetes. Mm-hmm. So insulin acts as a transporter, and that takes the sugar into the cells for energy. And so with type one diabetes, some people, their body at all does not have insulin. In type one diabetes and in type two diabetes, you may have some insulin. It doesn't work as much, doesn't work so good. Insulin resistance and gestational diabetes, well, it won't happen to men (laughs) because that's when you are pregnant. Yes, and so those are the three main types of diabetes. However, type two diabetes is more prevalent in our communities. Mm -hmm. That's the one that most Americans have. So today, 133 million Americans are living with diabetes. Wow! And yes, 37 million have diabetes. And here is where I think the real um, horror of the story is Mm pre-diabetes. 96 Mm. million Americans are pre-diabetic. And one in five people don't know it.
1: I'm glad you brought up that topic of pre-diabetes. <laughs> Antoine and yes. I were talking offline. <laughs> yes. so, so
0: full <laughs> disclosure, I'm pre-diabetic. Um, so at any given time when I go to the doctor, my A1C is usually 5.7, 5.8. So I'm right in that pre-diabetic uh, range. So for those of us that are pre-diabetic, and I didn't find out until I was maybe 19, 20 years old in college What are some of those warning signs that we should look for to even have that kind of a diagnosis?
2: So um, to begin with, I'm glad that you found it at 19. And I would ask you, did you just end up going to the doctor? Was it just a checkup that you had, random checkup?
0: Yeah, college, sophomore year, we had to have a checkup every year. I can't remember why, but we had to have a checkup every year. And that's when they did testing, and they told me. And of course, when you hear that, you think horror. Yes. <laughs> right, right. And so
2: I will also let you know, Antoine. It's good for you that you had that checkup at nineteen. Mm-hmm. There are many men who have not been to the doctor until late in their forties when something is happening. And so I can talk about my son also, who's thirty. Something and um, (laughs) he just happened to go for a routine um, exam and found out he was also pre diabetic or maybe even in the diabetic range. And this was the first for him. And that's what we have a lot of people walking around, unfortunately. And they don't know that they do have diabetes. Mm -hmm. And some may not have any symptoms. And as um, with men, because they carry most of their weight in their tummy, even men at a lower weight can have diabetes than women. And so I will implore, Deirdre, to your listeners and those in Clayton County, the men here, that you need to get checked. Because here's right. the thing. If you're 45 years and older, you need to have your A1C done. Right. Okay? If you're less than 45, obese, have a family member, a brother, or sister, or mom, or dad, close relative, with diabetes. You need to get checked. Yeah. So... You need to know what your number number is, your A1C number, hemoglobin A1C. That's the marker that the doctors will do a simple blood test and just to see where you are. If you're 5.7 to 6.4 in the pre-diabetic range, that's the number we want to catch you mm-hmm. at that stage. We don't want you to have full-blown diabetes. And there are things that we can do to prevent that. So sometimes you don't have symptoms but yet, you can look at the risk factors around you. Know your family history. Mm-hmm. That's very important. Important very important to know your family history. And at least once a year, visit your doctor. Get baseline blood work done. Okay. Watch your weight and see what your BMI is. That's the body mass index to see your height and weight, what's the correlation there. And so these are things that when you do, then you won't have a, oh, my God. A moment, right, right. But here's the good news, <laughs> I would say to everyone. You can contain it. Mm-hmm. You can prevent going into full-blown diabetes right. with some um, some activities that we can do. But I know we can talk about that a little yes, bit later. Yes.
1: Well, you mentioned A1C, and although I'm a nurse, others that are listening may not exactly know what that number is. So what I'm one would of those A1C people. Be? When I go, yeah. they
0: say my A1C is this, and it's supposed to be in this range. But even your description of what diabetes is, no one has ever explained it to wow. me like that. That's yes, um,
2: and that's what I do. I, I I have a passion for breaking it down for everyday people. I've been a nurse practitioner. I've traveled the state of Georgia for six years in people's homes, mm-hmm. one on one. Doing I like to say I'm a health coach because I do not diagnose you. Um, I follow your doctor's plan, but I help you to understand your disease process. I help you in, in in understanding how it works, what you need to do, because there's a lot of frustration and there's a lot of um, ignorance where diabetes is concerned. And so you're doing a great thing here, I must say, yes. to let the audience know, to let the community know. And I love to really impart in others how to self-manage. Your diabetes, right. that is the key. Your doctors won't do it for you. Your nurse won't do it for you. You need to know. So education is important, but more so support Right. So, important. So if
1: someone has a family history of diabetes, mm-hmm. you know, mom, dad, both had it, um, siblings, what are some steps that they can take to prevent becoming a diabetic themselves?
2: Okay. So first of all, you need to see your doctor. And get that A1C number. You need to get that checked. Your weight. If you're overweight, you're obese, you're more prone. Those are some of the risks. Definitely not overweight. Exactly. (laughs) But do you have any family history? My mom's diabetic. (laughs) Right. So that's one of the the risks. And so that will make you go into your doctor and say, hey, my mom is. And your doctor will. Do that A1C testing on you. And so, but you can prevent, Antoine and everyone else who's listening, you can prevent diabetes by making sure your carbohydrates, what you eat, is very important. Those carbs, if they don't get to burn off, if you don't have enough insulin to take that into the cell, what else can you do? Exercise. Mm. Excellent. Excellent. That is like, I'm like one of the God-given, easy, like water... <laughs> Just take a walk. ...thing that God has given you. A brisk walk. Right. Yeah. You know, sweat a little bit. And you all you need to do is 30 minutes, five days a week, 150 minutes a week, and you can really see a difference. Right. Sounds in definitely your numbers. simple. Simple. Yes.
1: We appreciate that. Thank you, Dr. Jackie. Yes, ma'am. Um, I wanted to touch bases on COVID a little. Um, you know, we... Most of us are saying we are out of the pandemic, but we know that we're not, Not. (laughs) right? In the medical field, we know we're still in the pandemic, but the numbers are not as high as they were, right? Mm -hmm. This time last year. So something that is kind of a phenomenon to me is how COVID affected those with diabetes and even some individuals who never had a diagnosis of diabetes developed diabetes during um, their diagnosis of covid so can you talk to us a little bit about that?
2: Well, the first thing, um, as you mentioned, if we remember back in 2020, there were so many deaths. And mm-hmm. you would hear um, comorbidities and everybody's like Googling, what is that? <laughs> you know, and, and these are some illnesses that people had before COVID, like diabetes, high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. And so when they develop COVID, it, it really complicated the whole, with especially those with diabetes, the blood vessels and everything just went out of whack, and diabetes right. became even worse. But to your point, also, there were some people who never had diabetes, and after having COVID nineteen, their numbers were high and they were hyperglycemic, you know. And so that was all. That was very strange. Mm-hmm. As we can see, it was after the fact that they had. Um, di- um, diabetes. And so that is how detrimental diabetes is. That you, it it really breaks down everything in your body, affects your liver. And you know, and from if your liver, even for people who have diabetes, Mm -hmm. if for you, just to be sure, when you don't eat also, like you're going to bed, hungry, and you're thinking in the morning you may check your blood sugar, and it's high, because the liver is saying, what's going on here? Right. You're hungry. It's and starvation. Yes, yeah, starvation. Yeah. And it's spilling insulin. Mm-hmm. And so the, the COVID affected some people's liver during that time frame. And it spiked them and turned them into diabetic people.
1: Wow. Thank you. That was deep. That is. That's you know, <laughs> scary, I, too. <laughs> it is <and> scary. scary.
0: <laughs> I always think um, I'm not a heavy eater. And I, I do run a lot. Um, I was telling Deidre offline that um, I also have hypertension. It's like, keep keep going down the list of stuff. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I've done to keep my blood pressure low is that I run a lot. I run two miles a day, five days a week. Um, but commendable. But I don't eat a lot. So yeah. to hear you say that, I know every time I go to the doctor, that's always a conversation that we have about you can't run that much. And not have the Mm -hmm. calories to Uh actually burn because your body will then take Take it from other places. Um, And that's dangerous, too.
2: So it's good to have (laughs) three meals a day and snack in between. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like a lot, but it's it's not heavy meals when we say meal. He
1: can do it. He owns three restaurants. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Just, I don't
0: be hungry.
2: <laughs> well, make yourself, and then you you will get you're, you're not hungry because your body's so used to not eating. Mm-hmm. So it's always in that mode that I'm not hungry. But make yourself start out and start eating. Have a meal plan and stick to it.
1: <laughs> you can run, do it, Antoine. Run, let's talk you can about do it, it. Antoine. <laughs> let's <laughs> talk about it. Let's talk about the fact that, you know, Antoine is just a representation yes. of so many other men who yes. pretty much live the same way. My husband is one. I mean, he's definitely not Antoine's stature, you know. But, however, even though his BMI is high, the first thing you'll think is, oh, he's a heavy eater. But it's the opposite, he may eat mm. once a day. You know, and of course, he has a wife that's a nurse who tries her best, but he's not going to listen to me.
2: He'll listen to his doctor. See, though. his metabolism is not working. Exactly.
1: Well, at least he's he'll to his doctor. He'll though.
0: listen to his doctor. <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> but you know,
2: like you mentioned, most men um, diabetes is prevalent. Fourteen percent more in men to women, nine percent. Mm. Oh, believe wow. it or not, I would not have doc- thought. I would have CDC, thought the opposite. Yes, but it's true. Wow! So there's a lot of men out there walking who are diabetic, (laughs) and they don't know. And don't know. And so, I once again, I'm gonna commend you guys for having this forum. This platform, yes, Yes. definitely. Yes.
1: Great, great. Well, we're gonna move on to uh, one of our segments called "What's Happening to Us, bruh?
0: (laughs) Bruh, what's happening to us? So, um, full disclosure. Um, I've already shared that I'm pre-diabetic. My mom's diabetic. A lot of diabetics in the family. There's a lot of things that we talk about in terms of family norms. And oftentimes in a black community, there's doctors in the family that didn't necessarily go to school to be a doctor, Mm -hmm. but there's certain (laughs) remedies that we do that we think are acceptable, but they're really not. To start the conversation, what is the most outlandish kind of backwards health thing that you hear <laughs> that people do and play these really dangerous games, honestly, about their health?
2: Well, as you mentioned, like with diabetes, mm-hmm. they think they can just eat whatever they want and take their insulin. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And that's going to cover it. That's a dangerous game that dangerous you're playing. Game. Okay. We need to eat in moderation. First of all, you and also taking insulin about checking your blood sugar.
0: Very ah. dangerous.
2: You need to check your blood sugar, see where you are, and see how much you need to eat, mm-hmm. and check your blood sugar again two hours after you eat. That's really managing. What's the managing. connection
0: between checking your blood sugar before you take your insulin? Good question.
2: Anton. So the insulin is there, like the insulin in your body. And it will stabilize your blood sugar. And it can also drop your blood sugar too low. And that's dangerous. Hypoglycemic. You can end up in a coma. Definitely end up in a hospital. So you need to know how much insulin that you are taking. And if you're not going to eat, like your doctor said, you can't be running. Because when you run also, you're burning all that energy. And so you can't be running and not having fuel in your body. So the insulin, you have to make sure that you're not taking too much insulin. You can go into hyperglycemic. There needs to be a balance. Life is about a balance. And diabetes, self-care management, is about balancing your food intake, your activity, and your medication. Mm -hmm. That's why you go to your doctor every three months, and he'll make adjustments based on where your A1C is and how your sugar is going, because there needs to be a balance, equilibrium in your body. Excellent, excellent.
1: When you talked about insulin, Um, there is a a very, I I guess I would call it a new phenomenon as well, which is Ozempic. What's your take on individuals taking non-diabetics such as myself? Um, taking to lose weight, <laughs> exactly <laughs> to lose
0: weight. What, what is it? I don't know what it is.
2: It's called Ozempic. Ozempic. Mm-hmm. It's okay. really for was made for people with um, diabetes who also need to lose weight. Gotcha. But now we have people who are taking it who are not diabetic and to help lose weight with a doctor's order, of course. But the, the side effects. I have my one of my very dear friend who is not diabetic. And she was so ill. Mm. Oh, wow. She was throwing up, dizzy, off balance. It's not for everyone. But, yeah, there are a lot of people taking it. If it works for you, just like metformin. There are people who took metformin not because they're diabetic, but it helps for you to lose weight. Mm-hmm. So under doctor's guidance, and definitely you need to go and check up and let your doctor know because the side effects can be horrible. Yeah. So is it working for you?
1: Oh, I haven't started I've just been doing much research
2: <laughs>
0: because I plan on it. Part of your decision making. Exactly.
1: I was going to use maybe a little platform. bit at a time.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Excellent. We appreciate it. Dr. Donna, you, I'm sorry, Dr. Donna, Dr. Jackie, you have helped us with so many different um, aspects of diabetes. Yes. And I'm sure, you know, the men of Clayton County appreciate it. I know Antoine appreciates mm-hmm. it. I've
0: learned. I, I just. Awesome. I got some notes to take. Um, one question that I did want to ask, mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes there is this face of diabetes that we see, and typically it is someone that's overweight. Is there a connection between weight and diabetes?
2: There's a clear connection. Okay, That's one of the risk factors. Mm-hmm. Obesity. Um, like I mentioned, men with that tummy, little mm-hmm. trunk. Because even my son, he has a slim... Kind of demure about him. But I was like, what's going on here? And
0: I have it, too. It, co- it <laughs> comes too. Go- so How do you get rid of that?
2: <laughs> well, you got to walk some more exercise. But you know what? Food, carbohydrates, is a direct influence on your blood sugar. Mm. Right. The rice, the breads, the pastas. Everything I love. The crackers, I everything eat that we and love. Everything. And alcohol. Alcohol, yes. There's a lot of sugar in alcohol, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes. And so it is a direct influence on your blood sugar. So moderation, moderation, moderation.
1: Now, we don't want to, you know, kill people's joy, but alcohol, right, being one of the factors, um, is there a specific Type of alcohol that is better than another alcohol?
2: I really don't know, but beer seems like it has a lot of sugar too in it. Yeah. Rum <laughs> right. has
0: a lot of sugar too. I'm a rum drinker, rum. so. Uh,
2: well, I read, but but do you have he, just uh, a little bit.
1: No, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> He's so honest. I drink like a pirate. Okay.
0: <laughs>
2: but you know, just to say, some people eat badly, so to speak. They drink mm-hmm. and whatnot, and they don't have any problems with their sugar. Right. They're not diabetic, so mm-hmm. it's not everyone. So mm-hmm. just so you know, but it's good for you to go and get checked go First and at foremost. least once a year. Get preventive medicine, your insurance. And if you don't have insurance, I am sure the counties have places that mm-hmm. you can go if you don't. But it's good to know your numbers.
1: Exactly. Know and, your numbers. and also for our listeners, if you are diagnosed with diabetes and um, you prescribe metformin, Publix actually will give it to you for free. Really? Yes. There's a free list of medications, and Metformin is one of them. So, Shout out to Publix. Publix. (laughs) Call us Publix. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, we thank you so much for coming here today and sharing that information with us. We do want to let our listeners know that this episode was sponsored in part by Rumors, Jonesboro, Georgia. Thanks again, Dr. Jackie. Thank you, Clayton County. All right, and bruh,
2: let's talk about it. Okay, so when you look.
3: That's yep. you asking.
1: All right. Welcome, 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 everyone, to Bruh. Let's talk about it. A podcast about men's health. I am your host, Deirdre, and with me, my co host.
0: Hi, I'm Antoine, and Bruh, let's talk about it.
1: All right, and we are going to take a dive into a a concern that a lot of men have and are dealing with, which is prostate cancer. Today, we have with us a guest, Dr. Donna Patterson, who specializes in cardiology. However, she also has a lot of information for us today about prostate cancer. We're honored to have you. Dr. Donna, introduce yourself for us.
3: Thank you so much for having me, Deidre and Antoine, and um, all the members of this group, this team. My name is Dr. Donna Patterson. I'm a board-certified nurse practitioner. I'm also the owner of Rejuveneer Health Med Spa, where we specialize in helping women lose weight specifically. That's our main focus. Uh, And I also work with cardiology at the hospital, in a hospital setting.
1: All right, great, great. Well, thank you, and again, we're so happy to have you here today to talk about this topic. Yes. Um, So when we talk about prostate cancer, just tell us, what is it, actually?
3: Prostate cancer is one of the main form of cancer that affects men, and uh, it is not talked about very often, and that is why it is so important that you're having this this. Way of of bringing attention to the subject to the, the men population, mm-hmm. especially because most of the times we focus on the women, right. uh, breast cancer and uh, you know cervical cancer and all the other stuff that affects women. So true, and men too, but specifically prostate cancer affects only men, uh, and or I would say the majority men. Mm-hmm. It affects only men, but men have a problem with being diagnosed early and that's where the problem comes in.
1: Okay. So, Antoine, and
0: just just for those of us that may not know what is the prostate and how does how does that become affected? What's what's bad about it? Cuz I explosions. feel like we hear words like, "Oh, prostate cancer," mm-hmm. but we don't actually have a good understanding oftentimes of what exactly is that.
3: Right. All right, so he comes with a hard-hitting question <laughs> right out the gate. <laughs> well, the prostate is um, its a small um, organ that sits right between the bladder and, of course, the ureter, which is the vessel that transports urine from the bladder. The prostate sits right behind that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is basically separated from the bladder by a very thin layer, um, like a thin sheet. Right. So you may hear of someone that has an enlarged prostate for whatever reason, and now their stream is affected, their flow, they're not able to uh, urinate properly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the prostate, it's very sensitive to changes in the body that is happening. And if that gets enlarged, it blocks the, the flow of urine from the bladder out through the ureter. Yeah. So... It doesn't necessarily, it sits there, but it doesn't necessarily serve a purpose, uh, for the most part, until (laughs) it goes bad. It's like your appendix. So so one of the things (laughs) that I was also told is that it actually
1: helps shoot the actual sperm during an ejaculation. So... Mm. Yeah,
3: <laughs> you see, this is the thing. He said, "Oh,
1: yeah, exactly." Because
3: even though men have the prostate, they don't really know what it what is. it does, exactly. or what it does, or what the functions
1: are. Yeah, right. And like you stated, once it goes bad, then that's when you know there's, there's a problem. A- mm-hmm. um, being a nurse, I do recall a time where um, there was a man who needed a catheter, mm-hmm. and just trying to thread that catheter, which is often it comes easy to me. Is you know, I can oh go yeah. with my eyes closed. However, with this individual, his prostate was so enlarged mm-hmm. that I wasn't able to. Mm-hmm. And the yell that he, you know, gave
3: out—you can just feel his pain. You could hear it down the hall exactly. in the hospital. Exactly, really. it's such a painful experience for me. It men, is very so. painful. And men, of course, they don't tolerate pain. Most men. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't they don't tolerate pain very well. Except tattoos. Except for tattoos. <laughs> even exactly. tattoos for me. <laughs> exactly. So as she mentioned, one of the functions is helping with ejaculation. And so men have a problem with um, people touching their men parts. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a man another man or even a woman. It makes them very uncomfortable. And as a result of that, they don't get annual prostate checks. So, hence, we have prostate cancer being diagnosed only when there's a major problem happening. Right. Now they cannot urinate, they need a catheter. Why? Why is that? And then after further investigation, oh, by the way, you have stage 5 prostate cancer, which stage 5 is the latest, the the most dangerous form okay. because the treatment options are are limited at that stage. Mm-hmm. There's... You have stage one, two, three, four, five. So once you get to five, uh, you're literally at the worst stage.
1: So so let's talk prevention. Mm -hmm. Um, What is something that men can do to prevent it? Um, Antoine mentioned to us earlier that um, he's in the – are you a millennial? Generation I am X. a millennial. He's a millennial. A millennial. <laughs> I can't keep up with these LELs. <laughs> right. I'm a gen- We're Generation Xs. Yes.
3: <laughs> All three of us.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so as a millennial, would this be something that he needs to consider now?
3: Oh, absolutely. Okay. Because awareness is the key. So mm-hmm. whether or not you're affected by it now, being aware of that when I get to this age, and the age, the magic number is 40. Once I get to the age of 40, this is something I need to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. But not only just that, men under 40 have been diagnosed with prostate cancer. Wow. For example, if it's in your genetic pool, Mm -hmm. uh, your grandfather down the line, your dad may not have had it, or your grandfather may have had it, or even your great-grandfather, and you may not even know anything about it. But if you are even concerned that someone in your family may have had this, it is better for you to talk to your doctor, Mm -hmm. even at an earlier age before 40, to make sure that you are staying abreast, that they're checking your your PSA number, and that um, you are aware of any changes happening in your body. If you realize that your stream is going left or going right or not coming as as it should, Mm -hmm. um, then you absolutely need to have yourself checked out. Good
0: point. I would never think, if I did have any of those symptoms, I would not think about, I would just think... I need to drink more water. I would just come (laughs) up with other alternatives as to what may be going on. So I think that's interesting. I was sharing with Deidre kind of offline. I do have a family history of prostate cancer, but it's not – nobody ever talks about it from a prevention standpoint. It's almost like one of those things where you just – you may get this at a certain age, and it's just something we have to deal with. Mm -hmm. I don't ever hear the men in my family talking about getting their prostate checked out – Um, I know I hear a lot of myths about what that exam process (laughs) (laughs) is.
3: Myths. You haven't even had one yet. I haven't even had one. Those
0: myths scare you though, right?
1: It does scare you.
0: Um, well, I think it it makes you uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it just is uncomfortable, even in going to the doctor. Right. A doctor has never asked me if I've had a history of prostate cancer. See. Um, a doctor has never offered to do a prostate exam. Mm-hmm. I think I shared with Deidre that I read somewhere that if you do have a family history of prostate cancer, that it's like around 30 to 35, mm-hmm. that you should. Start see. getting, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
3: looked at. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, definitely. So so what would make a man uncomfortable? Let's talk about the actual exam. It, it's okay. We're just going to dive into
3: it. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good yeah. one. <laughs> well, first of all, um, before we even get into that, prostate cancer affects more African-American than it does Caucasian men. And the incidence of prostate cancer has been increasing every year by approximately 4 to 5% every mm-hmm. year since 2011, since they've been tracking it. And they're finding that more and more men are now being diagnosed with this at an earlier age than prior. Uh, And it could be because we have more technology now Mm -hmm. and we're able to screen men earlier than back in the days. So uh, the exam, getting back to your question, entails basically the man has to drop his pants (laughs) and bend over. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It may be uncomfortable because the doctor or your provider will have to insert their fingers, which is these two fingers, into your rectum. And they're basically touching or rubbing their finger over that prostate to feel the surface of the prostate. Is it smooth or is it rugged? Peter sweating. <laughs> no, I, I had it done, so.
0: I had it done, so, yeah.
3: So you know what I'm talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and it's very uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. it's necessary. Yes. Us women don't like going to the gynecologist. I actually laid on my side, though. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. can lay oh. on your yeah. side. Some da- Depending mm. on your provider, they may have you lean over a chair. Uh, it all depends.
0: That seems a little...
3: Invasive? <laughs> right. It's the same thing. All of it is. <laughs> it's all invasive, but us women, we don't like going to the gynecologist. Mm-hmm. We don't like having to go through what we go through during childbirth either, but it's necessary. So, um, yes, Mendo, and from your perspective, I would like to know, what are your thoughts on going to the doctor and having this invasive procedure that you consider? So, you know, they're crossing your your... Your 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 circle of um, safety, so to speak.
0: I think I think I would be open to it. Um, I think that I would need to feel comfortable with that provider. First, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I think mm-hmm. that's the key for me—just uh, that relationship yes. and someone that's mm-hmm. going to explain what that process mm-hmm. is. Right. Um, someone that's mm-hmm. going to. So to say, kind of acts permission throughout that process. So I do and still and feel like one, I for have me it was a little uncomfortable just because um, mine is a female.
3: Oh, oh.
0: right. So, so yes, yeah, it was a little uncomfortable, you know. Oh,
3: absolutely. But
1: you're familiar with her, right? So, right. Right, right. I've and never had
0: that um, experience with her before, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, take me on a date first, jeez! Like, can buy me a drink? I mean, oh, like, right. like, can you date me first? Yeah, exactly.
3: But, but that's but, the <laughs> thing, too, because men don't like women to see them in a vulnerable position. Right, right. And so even my own husband, um, we may get to that later, but in me encouraging <laughs> him to have his prostate check, and he just did not want to go. Mm-hmm. And he's, oh, I go to this doctor, I'll get through to him. But it's been over eight months and you still can't get to the doctor. Right, right. right. And I said, well, let me do it then if you don't, you know, I'll do it for you. He was like, heck no. <laughs> <laughs> you are not coming anywhere near there.
1: I don't <laughs> so, care. How many letters behind your name? <laughs> Come on.
3: And I'm your wife. <laughs> right. So who are you going to trust to do this? But they rather, they don't like females seeing them in that vulnerable position involved. or thinking of them in that vulnerable position um, and That's just one aspect. Okay. Um, The knowledge part, too, is secondary because where there's lack of knowledge, Mm -hmm. the people perish, right? Right. And so we perish because we are not educated enough about this. Uh, Just speaking to um, one of your co-hosts, your... One of the creators. Creators, Uh uh, (laughs) yes, out here. I'm saying that it is so important now that the information is being spread because the Gen Xs and the Gen Zs, Um, are more Mm open-minded to getting checked and going to the doctor, whereas the older adults in their 60s and 70s, they will work all day and they'll be passing out and they won't tell someone they don't feel well. And because men are taught to be strong, they're taught to be brave, they're taught to not show their vulnerability. And so even when they're sick, they won't even tell you. And just to piggyback off of that, I've had Patients in the hospital, I'm like, what took you so long? And the wife would be there, like, rolling her eyes, like, I told you you should have gone in. I told you you need to go. And the man just wouldn't because he's like, oh, I, I just thought I would lay down. I just thought I would feel better. And this will continue on and on and on. And multiple patients, not mm-hmm. just one. I see it all the time. So, yeah.
1: Okay. All righty. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Donna. We're going to take a quick commercial awesome. break, um, and we'll return. We will talk a little bit more about prostate cancer and kind of get into one of your true specialties. Okay. Sounds Alrighty. great. So, thank bro, you so much. let's talk about it. Yay. all right all right all right welcome back bruh let's talk about it so today we are talking with donna patterson dr donna and we're talking about prostate cancer specifically a prostate exam yes we kind of touched on those uncomfortable situations
3: it made me sweat (laughs)
1: Me, too. Right. Him, him too. <laughs> Dr. Donna got a little down and dirty with it. Um, <laughs> however, we did learn that prevention is key. Oh, absolutely. And knowledge. And knowledge. Knowledge, thank thank absolutely. You. So, bruh, let, let's talk about one of our segments, which we call, what's happening to us, bruh? Mm.
0: Bruh, what's happening to us? So, I feel like oftentimes, I hear about prostate cancer a lot of my own family, why is it that prostate cancer disproportionately affect African-American families versus other family dynamics in other communities?
3: Well, there are various reasons, of course, why um, prostate cancer affects the African-American community more. It, uh, a lot of it has to do with our environment. It has to do with uh, our health care system, our health insurance. Uh, the type of work that some men do uh, exposes them to a higher risk of prostate cancer. Wow. So, um, like what, what kind of work is that? Well, um, hard labor, um, a man mm-hmm. that has, that is out there in the field doing hard labor. And, um, for some reason it has not been specifically identified to say this is the cause. Right. Because is that because of
0: amino acids that aren't released or?
3: No, not at all. Mm-hmm. Amino acids are a building block of your system. R- right. Proteins. But, right. So, but. So, no, no,
0: I'm just asking because, like, why is it that a man that's out there working hard, he's more at risk?
3: Think about it, the environment that we are, that we grew up in. The mm-hmm. African-American community, our environment sometimes puts us at a higher risk of certain disease, for example, cancer. Uh, and so a male who are out there doing the hard labor, that's, they're exposed more to the environment. And I cannot necessarily say, well, they're in the sun and that's the cause of it. But I do know that environmental factors plays mm-hmm. a, a huge risk mm. in the cause of cancer in a lot of men, people in general. So that is why us as um, African-American, we're more prone to it. One, we, have, we lack health insurance. Mm-hmm. We lack proper care. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have uh, something going on with you and you go to the doctor, you may not necessarily have the funds or the insurance available to Treat that thing. You may get a Band-Aid and you go home, right. but it's not helping to take care of the problem. Exactly. Uh, prostate cancer in this particular thing is, is not preventable because they have not found a way of pre- preventing the cause of it, but it is, tr- it is treatable, and it is especially treatable if diagnosed earlier. Right. Mm-hmm. So that is why we say prevention is cure, and prevention in this case means early treatment, early detection, early diagnosis. Uh, just making sure that you are staying on top of your health. Right. you're staying on top of your health, you're staying on top of your annual exam, just like breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's gene- genetics. I didn't touch on that, but genetics also play a big role in prostate oh, yeah. cancer. Oh, in any cancer. In any cancer. Right. So and just like if we were to say a woman has breast cancer, how can we prevent it? There's no known prevention for us getting cervical or breast cancer, but there are certain things that we can do to not expose ourselves as much. Um right. That would lessen our risk, so exactly. to speak. So in this case where it comes on a prostate cancer, it's more so this is happening to us. Let's talk about it. Let's educate ourselves. Let's make sure that Bruh. we're getting the... bra, bra. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make sure that we're getting the, the, the early diagnosis, right. if B. Be. Because like Antoine was saying, if it's in your family genetics, now mm-hmm. instead of waiting until you're 40 to go get checked up, now go ask your doctor for this. Right. Because a lot of times you go for a physical exam, they don't just do the broad spectrum of everything. Not, no. Yeah. They do the basic and they said, Oh, you're fine. Right. But they're not checking the, the PSA levels and they're not checking the A one Cs and they're not checking mm-hmm. all these different your thyroids and all the different things to make and sure just, that and
1: just to add into that, you know, when we talk about the African American community or you know, getting this at a disproportionate weight. Uh, rate, we look at the fact that maybe they don't even have health care or a primary doctor. Um, you and Absolutely. I, you know, we shared the same experience in the emergency room mm-hmm. where people would come into the emergency room as if we were their primary care. Oh, all the time. And we're the emergency room doctors are not going to do a PSA test. Oh, not at all. They're, they're not going to check your prostate, you know. They're there for emergencies exactly. only. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we use the term treat them and street them. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we're gonna yep. just treat the calls, what brought you in, and then we tell you to follow up with your doctor. And they'll
3: and- be in they'll be in two days later. Mm-hmm. Again, you exactly. know the, you know them by name because this is where they go. If their head hurt, they come in. They don't have health insurance, they don't have a primary care doctor. So even if someone wants to go get checked and they want the help, sometimes they don't they have means it. and ways of getting it. Right. Okay. Well, just you know,
1: we have a few minutes left. Um so just briefly, tell us about your other specialty, which we know affect African-American men as well, cardiology and
3: heart oh, disease. absolutely. So I specialize in cardiology now. Um, I work at Piedmont Hospital. And um, I see that um, because men don't like going to the doctor, and this is a big problem, it's lack of education, we're finding that a lot of people, a lot of men, even in their young, 40s now are coming in with heart disease and heart attacks, mm-hmm. uh, congestive heart failure. And it's because we're, they're not getting the proper treatment from an early, it's not being caught early or diagnosed right. early. Yeah. Um, diet plays a huge role in what happens to our heart. High blood pressure, which um, is called the secret killer because it leads to heart attack, mm-hmm. heart failure. Uh, high blood pressure, a simple thing, a man will have a high blood pressure and he would not go get it taken care of. One, he doesn't want to take the medication because he heard from somebody's bro down the street that it causes impotence mm-hmm. or it causes erectile dysfunction. Right. So the goal is here not to be on the medication. The goal is to have proper health uh, lifestyle, proper lifestyle that will prevent you from having to be on a blood pressure medicine because these are preventable. Diabetes, heart disease, blood, um, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Um, it go, the list goes on and on, but those are like the top four. Obstructive sleep, apnea, obesity which is a major factor in society. Um, obesity is now an epidemic.
0: Okay.
3: So these are all things that are affecting men that need to be addressed at some point. Excellent. One
0: of the things I'll say really quick, I shared in another segment that I have hypertension, and I was adamant that I did not want to take the medication. <laughs> right. Um, not particularly for those reasons, but those were uh, contributing factors. Right. But one of the things that I found that was helpful was I started running. Mm. Um, and I shared that I run two miles a day, five oh. days a week. Oh, wow. And that was really, along with some some food choice changes. Lifestyle that changes. Was, that yeah. was the biggest thing. So I yeah. definitely support that that does, that's very helpful.
1: Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you very much, um, both Donna and Antoine You're for very sharing welcome. Um, so now we've learned, you know, that. There are some modifiable things that we can do. Oh, absolutely. As opposed to the non-modifiable, which is maybe your heredity. You know, (laughs) there's nothing you can do about that. But you can exercise more like Antoine mentioned. Oh, absolutely. Make dietary changes. So we appreciate that. Um, so that actually ends this segment. I know we can go on and on. This is such a great topic, and we yes. thank you once again, Dr. Donna.
3: Thank you so for much for
1: having me. us with your presence. Thank you. And thank also, you. You're this very welcome. episode was sponsored in part by Rumors in Jonesboro, Georgia. Thank you all so much, bruh. Let's talk about it, bruh.
0: Let's talk about it.
1: <laughs>
2: Yay.